This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, Episode 25, How to Control Vine Weevils and Gardening Jobs and Plants of Interest for April. Plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. And me, Sue Mack. This is the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. Coming up in this episode, we'll be talking about how to control vine weevils, which are a pest in the garden, particularly for container-grown plants. Our plant of the month for April is Lamprocapnos spectabilis. People will probably be used to hearing this called Dicentra spectabilis. It's had its name changed, or Bleeding Heart. We have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden. Our plants of note for this month are Berberis darwinii, or Darwin's Barberry, and Uvularia grandiflora, sometimes also called Bellwort, but it has many other names as well. And we'll also have forthcoming garden and flower shows. We're now into April, which is well and truly spring. March sometimes holds on to the cold, wet winter weather, whilst May can nearly be as warm as summer, but April is definitely that quintessential spring month. We're definitely getting out into the garden more now, Sue, aren't we? Well, I am. You are. <laughs> You've I don't been... know about you, Richard. No, not yet. I've ventured <laughs> once or twice, but then for... But for, I am. Yeah, for regular listeners, you probably know I, I'm kind of stuck in a wheelchair, so I can't do much myself, but uh, I, I do appreciate the garden. But unfortunately, all the hard work falls on Sue. It certainly does. But it's a labour of love, isn't it? I do enjoy the garden and on a spring day when the sun is out and you've got that little bit of a nip, as long as you're wrapped up and the sun's coming down on you, it's actually really pleasant and you can start getting stuck in because things are starting to come alive. They certainly are, yes. All our trees and shrubs in bloom, almost there, just waiting to pop out. It's going to be an explosion in the next week or two, isn't it? There is, definitely. Although you do look at the ground and wonder where it all comes from. So many empty spaces in the garden all of a sudden and yet in the summer months there's nothing. We often talk about the plants we like but we haven't got space to fit them in. But you wouldn't think that now, would you? No, not at all. I look at the garden and I think, oh, maybe I can just squeeze a plant (laughs) in. But I don't know what's ready to pop its head up and start showing itself. So I have to contain myself. (laughs) Difficult, I know, when there's so many nice plants available. Gardeners always have something to do, don't they, whatever the month, but April is probably the busiest month of the year in the garden. It's a month of fresh colour and lush new growth as things burst into bloom and full of horticultural joys of spring. Sue's getting out there, so why not get out there as well and enjoy your garden? Now, we do have lots of container-grown plants, Sue, don't we? We do. You like your pots. I do like my pots. But we have had one or two problems with vine weevils, haven't we? Yeah. First time we came across them personally was in a little porcelain sink we've got, which is our kind of mini alpine garden, and some sempervivums. Do you remember that when George, yeah, our gardener, found that? Yeah, and all of a that? sudden, we, everything looked as if it was growing, and then... It stopped. 
everything just sort of, you lifted it up and there was nothing there. No roots, nothing. That's the problem with vine weevils. It's the little grubs that do the problem, not the beetles themselves. And little grubs eat away at the roots underground in the wintertime. And then the first thing you know, things looking a bit sad. You go to have a look and it comes away in your hand. There's no roots left. And there's nothing there, I know. The first sign you can actually spot from vine weevils are from the beetles themselves. They actually eat away at the margins of the leaf. You get some unsightly notches, which is not too bad, not too harmful, but it's the grubs which do the real damage. But before anything else, the first step in trying to control vine weevils is not to get them in the first place. And to this end, it is advisable to only purchase plants that are certified to be free from the pest. You can end up inadvertently bringing home new plants from the garden centre with a whole stock of vine weevils. And but how would you know that? You don't. That's the problem, because they're underground. Well, this is it. So Short you... of lifting the thing up and having to rummage around, it's very difficult. What exactly? Unless the garden centre or the supplier can certify that they haven't got vine weevils from pest control in the nursery, it is very, very difficult to know that. And how many would give you that guarantee, I, I really don't know, Sue. And, and we might have inadvertently brought them home from a garden centre. Well, we must have, because that pot we started afresh from garden centre stuff, because yeah. we weren't growing it ourselves, so we must have brought it home from a we, garden centre. We must have done, yeah. So one trick is try not to get them in the first place. And when you do start planting your pots out, only use sterile pest-free compost in any containers that you're going to plant things in. And with the containers themselves, it's always a good idea to clean the container before use with something like Jay's fluid. That disinfects it and stops any bacteria or fungus that might be living on the insides of the container from getting into your plants. So what are vine weevils and how do you spot them? Well, you'll be able to spot the adult vine weevils. Now, they are nocturnal, so they only feed at night time on the plant's leaves, as we said, eating around the sort of margins of the leaf. They're about one centimetre long with a rough black textured body freckled with little rusty brown spots. So just an average black beetle with rusty brown spots. The adult vine weevils are slow-moving and not able to fly, but they are good climbers. The adult females, they lay their eggs in the soil or compost during late summer and early autumn, and the damage caused by them is mainly cosmetic, just eating away notches on the margins of the leaf, but they don't really do any serious damage to the plant. It is, however, the vine weevil larvae which do the real damage. These are tiny, creamy white colour, legless, and they have a distinctive brown-coloured head. They're usually curled up into a C-shape when you dig them out from a pot, and they're probably only about between half a centimetre and a centimetre long. They particularly affect container-grown plants, so we've found out to our own detriment and they feed on the plant's roots below the soil level, so you don't know what's going on. The symptoms are not usually evident until the larvae have always finished their feasting and the plant's about to collapse. And then that's it. And that's it. It's too Your late. The plant's dead. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately so, yes. The vine weevil larvae particularly like cyclamen, begonia, strawberry plants and primulas. We have seen them munching away at our sempervivums. We have. Yes, so they'll have a go at a lot of I things. think they'll eat anything I by the sounds so. of things, hungry. really. If they're Hung- hungry, they'll eat it. <laughs> yes, hungry little beasts. <laughs> by early winter, the larvae pupate in the growing medium, developing into the adult weevils. 
So the big question everybody will ask is, how do you control them? Well, the first step don't is... Don't bring them home yeah, from the garden centre. Don't bring them home from the garden centre. It's not a free <laughs> ride. It's not a free lunch. Not on your plants anyway. Is if you can collect and kill the slow-moving adult weevils. And as we said, they are slow-moving. They can't fly. They come out at night time, which means from late spring onward, before they have a chance to lay their eggs, if you can get outside at night time with a torch and have a look round, if you see them, get them and destroy them. Stop them laying their eggs before they become a problem. Secondly, you can place rolled-up corrugated paper under affected plants. Adult vine weevils take shelter under the paper during the day, and then you can catch them and destroy them. Or you can smear Vaseline or something similar around the rims of containers, preventing access to the adults climbing into the plant. I've also heard you can use things like packing tape smeared with grease. Basically, it's a physical barrier that the adult vine weevils get trapped in. If it works. If it works, yeah. It's a multi-stage approach. We've heard so many stories about hostas, and that doesn't always work. Oh, with the slugs, yes. Uh, But it's worth a try. Yeah, try everything. Soil. The soil surface of the pot plants can be mulched with sharp gravel, providing a physical barrier to the adults to stop them burrowing down into compost to lay their eggs. So it's all about breaking the life cycle of these things. But then that's interesting because... Uh, it is interesting because that particular container we had, a uh, little alpine thing, was gravel, yeah. Yeah, totally full them. of gravel, exactly. And we still had the problem because with those you have to have the drainage, the gravel and... So uh, mm. that stops the adults getting in to lay the eggs. But if we if bought the, the eggs plants were which already the there, eggs were already right. there, then they're underground doing the damage, aren't they? So don't buy from a garden centre. <laughs> <laughs> well, buy them from the garden centre, but a reputable one, which, yeah, you can guarantee. But then they also try their best. Of course they know. do. And it has been a big problem in nursery industry, the vine weevil. I'm yeah. sure. Another trick is nematodes. Now, these are tiny worms that feed on the vine weevil larvae. They're parasitic, but you can only use these when the temperatures are warm enough. So, middle of summertime, early autumn, yes. Now, these nematodes, you can buy them online, add them to the water. They get in there, these microscopic little worms get in and basically kill the bugs from the inside. So, that's quite a good biological defence. You can also dispose of the grow medium if you do find a problem and you nip it in the bud, clear all the bugs off, chuck away the compost and plant in fresh new sterile compost. But don't stick the stuff on your compost heap or you might get the problem back again. And any plant debris from around the base of the pot plants, remove that as that can provide daytime shelter for the adult vine weevils. And finally, there are a few chemical controls that you can buy from the garden centre and these will help to kill them. So it's a a multi-stage approach and they are tough little things to get rid of. I'm sure. We had them again this year in one of the pots, didn't we? Did we? Which part? It was one of the ones by the side of the patio. Remember George, our gardener, dug them out and showed me them on the side. The plant pot, I think, was empty, so it wasn't creating a problem. Okay. But if we'd have planted something else then in there, would have been a problem. then we'd have ended yeah. up with a problem. So we disposed of all the compost and the grubs, and hopefully yeah. we should be clean and free from them. Now, our plant of the month for April is Lamprocapnos spectabilis, a bleeding heart, but it used to be called Dicentra spectabilis. This plant was recently renamed after new research into its genetic makeup. We can do that sort of clever things nowadays with genetics when in the old days people had to classify things by looking at the flowers and the seeds. 
This is a fully hardy, deciduous, herbaceous perennial. It has the RHSH7 hardiness scale, which means it can tolerate below minus 20 degrees C. So it is hardy even in the severest continental European climates. We have one in the back garden, Sue. And it no, has we survived. have two in the back garden. Well, we have a slightly different one. Maybe it's not the same one. We've we have two bleeding hearts. We have a pink and, and a white. white. This one is pink, which is uh, the oh, basic. Is this one only pink? This is the generic variety. Ah. The, ours, the white one might be a cultivar. Right, okay. But we do have the two, the pink and the white. We do, we do have two. So yes. we've Thank you for correcting me. Yes. <laughs> we've literally got... Two of those in our garden. We've got two in the garden, And they're yes. beautiful. I love them. They I are. love the Bleeding Heart. They're one of my favourites. They are very spectacular. And the name really does it, it imply does. it is a heart it's with a little exactly sort of pendant exactly what it looks like. Yeah, a little yeah, Bleeding Heart. They it's are beautiful. Nice. They can grow up to about one metre tall and the spread of about half a metre. They like partial shade but will tolerate full sun if you keep soil moist. It also has the RHS Award of Garden Merit, which you know that means it will be a good performer in most gardens. It has an average growth rate, which takes two to five years to achieve maturity. And the flowers are bright pink, heart-shaped, as we say, with a little sort of white, almost like a necklace dropping down from the bottom. They're produced on long, arching flower stalks above the foliage and flower from April to May. The foliage itself is quite nice. It's attractively divided light green leaves with a bit of a fern-like appearance. As I mentioned earlier, it likes moist soil, humus-rich, that helps to retain moisture content, preferably neutral to alkaline soil. The foliage may aggravate skin allergies and it's harmful if ingested, so be a little bit careful. It's ideal in shady border because it does like shade, but as the foliage dies back in early summer, it's probably good to plant amongst a mixed border so you can get some continuing interest through the rest of the year. Yeah, because it flowers quite early, doesn't it? It does, it? And this time of the year, yeah. Yeah, and then it dies back, so but you'll get that spot in the garden you want to plant something else. I know, but it is lovely. It reminds me of a very... Chinese Yes, a kind of oriental lantern. It is pretty, isn't it? Propagation is quite easy to propagate by division of the rhizomes in early spring or after the leaves have died back or by root cuttings in winter. A maintenance, as we said, it has the RHS Award of Garden Merit, so it is easy to grow with low maintenance and generally pest and disease free and it's probably a good idea to mulch in autumn if you can. Now, as we alluded to earlier, April is a very busy time in the gardener's calendar. This time of year, you can be cutting back penstemons and hardy fuchsias. Now that worst of the winter weather is becoming a bit of a distant memory, these two borderline hardy plants can be pruned. Last month, the potential for a severe frost was still there, and the top of these plants need to be protected because of their fresh basal shoots. So now is a good time to be looking at pruning them. Cut all of the older shoots down to these young basal shoots this month. I must have a look at our fuchsia. We had that one last year that really flowered late it in the came season, but it was to its own a bit later yeah. on, didn't it? When it did come out, it, it was, was very pretty. Beautiful. And unfortunately, that was the time of year we began our winter hibernation, so we didn't see it as much. We've got a lovely back garden, but we don't have a, a window we can really sit no. at and, and appreciate it in. We have to go out in the garden to appreciate it. It's just the nature of the, the layout of the house, house. unfortunately, isn't yeah. it? 
Which is good in the winter months. Because <laughs> I think I'd get frustrated with it looking so dead. And I suppose if that's the case, then we'd be planting some of the plants for winter gardens. Well, you would, which, because then you'd have to enjoy the, yeah. the different seasons, or you'd want to enjoy the different seasons. Yeah, it's all about planning, isn't it? And we'd definitely have fairy lights in the garden if we could <laughs> see it in the winter. Yes, that would look pretty, wouldn't it? This time of year is a good time to mulch your borders and flower beds with the aim of preventing soil moisture evaporation, locking moisture in from the previous months. Mulching also slows down weed growth if you use a sterile mulch such as bark, chip or cocoa shell. Lawn care, this is a problem for us. We do have a nice lawn, but I think secretly you'd like a bit of a bowling green, wouldn't you? I would. No lawn must have daisies in, clover in, or weeds in. No. Must just have grass. It's a bit of, and I just can't achieve that. And well, I try we are so hard. Now, unfortunately, lawn care does take an awful lot of work. But April is one of the busiest months for lawn care. Mowing is usually necessary at least once a week in April because the grass is beginning to grow a lot more. Organic or inorganic weed and feed treatments can be applied and lawns can be scarified. This helps to get out all the dead thatch and allows more air into the roots, which helps the grass to become stronger and compete against the weeds. And any winter damage can be repaired with seed or turf. For your herbaceous perennials, there is time this month to split congested clumps of these, such as hostas. We've done that before, haven't we? We've yes. got gained extra hostas because of that. You can prise them apart with two forks or divide with a spade. And the centre of the perennial probably is going to be the most tired, so if you can, just keep the outside sections. This time of the year, April, we can be feeding roses with specialist rose food. Deadhead early flowering bulbs, such as your daffodils. Keep an eye on the nighttime temperatures, though, and protect flowers or fruit trees when frost is forecast using horticultural fleece, and this will help to ensure you get a better crop of fruit. Prune for scythia and early flowering shrubs as soon as they have finished flowering. You can plant out hardy or tender summer bulbs, such as dahlias and gladioli. We oh, have our dahlias sitting so in the shed start. ready to go. Yeah. Prepare so the ground, mulch, and our dahlias. Then it would be interesting to see this the first year. First year we've, we've tried done dahlias. Yes, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how we get on with them. You can also sow hardy annuals of Clarkia in the border where you want them to flower. Plant evergreen trees and shrubs, and container-grown plants can also be planted this month, which is what you've been doing. So, isn't it planting your hanging baskets? I have. Yes. Two more today, looking good. <laughs> Suddenly realised how many plants you put into a hanging basket, but it's an expensive business, wait. isn't it? It is expensive, but you get immense enjoyment, and they look beautiful throughout the whole of the summer. Exactly, it is short. It's only three months, really. Last year, we oh gosh, last year I kept them going till October. Didn't you did, I? you did fantastic. Because we well, had yeah. an amazing autumn. And I was determined to keep them going, and, and I did. You did so. You did indeed. Value for money from last year, too. Yeah. In the vegetable garden. In the vegetable garden, you can sow inside runner beans, tomatoes, marrows, courgettes, cucumbers, melons, pumpkins and sweet corn. We've been sowing courgettes, but they haven't popped up yet, have they? No. My lettuce has. Yeah. My lettuce is really growing. But we might need to try courgette. some new courgette mm, seeds. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Because we do like our courgettes and we usually no, we get a very good crop. we have to have courgettes in the garden. We will try further and report back, back next yes. month. Yeah. 
you can also be planting out without the need to protect from frost early and main crop potato varieties, kale, spinach, Swiss chard, calabrese, lettuce, globe artichokes, one-year-old asparagus, crowns, peas, carrots, French beans, leeks and onions, seeds or sets. We've also planted our potatoes a little while ago. Potatoes, spinach. Early crop, yeah. Put spinach. Lettuce. Now, the lettuce is in the tray, but outside is rocket. Rocket. Rocket, beetroot and spinach. We're going to have some nice salads, aren't we? Yes. (laughs) And if it young, all grows. If, I'm sure it will, so you'll be looking after it tenderly. Young aubergine plants can be moved into a cold frame this month for hardening off as well. Plants of note. Now, plants of note. Two plants that we felt were worthy of note for this month, April. Berberis darwinii, also known as Darwin's barberry. This was, as the name suggests, discovered by Charles Darwin in 1835. It is a fully hardy, dense, evergreen shrub. It has the RHS H5 scale for hardiness, which means it can tolerate down from about minus 5 to minus 15 degrees C. Hardy in most places throughout the UK, even in severe winters. It can make a good hedge. We had one in the front garden before we ripped it out and put our yew hedge in, so didn't we? But although it wasn't this particular species, it was a slightly different variety. Yes, but didn't really make much of a show. Um, and we wanted to get a bit of uniformity in our French hedge. That's why we took it out. And it was, it's quite thorny, isn't it? It can have, yeah, a few thorns on there. Not massively so, but yes, it is a little bit prickly, yeah. And our yew hedge is beginning to bounce back. In autumn time, we were a bit worried. It all went brown, like they were deciduous, which you, of course, isn't. It's an evergreen. But it looks like they are bouncing back uh, a little definitely bit. Definitely bouncing back. I'm now caring for them extra because we've had hardly any rain. So we don't want to now lose them no it's been a year since we planted them yeah and hopefully they will put on a, a big fresh spurt of growth yeah this i think year. they're going to i think we'll see a turnaround in them and between us we're very interested to see how they, it's going to turn out because we are yes they weren't that, supposed to turn orange no, and our ultimate aim is to do some topiary on it isn't yes. it but we're gonna to have to wait a few years for that one. well hopefully they'll all be the same color yeah. <laughs> that's our yes. aim in the first place it was uniformity Anyway, back to the Berberis darwinii. It has an average growth rate, so it takes about 10 to 20 years to achieve maturity, and it can grow up to 2.5 metres tall with a 2.5 metre spread. Likes full sun or partial shade. A sunny location will promote fruiting, though, and it does have some nice berries. Soil, it likes moist but well-drained soil, but it doesn't like to be waterlogged, so heavy clay would probably be a bit of a problem for it. Well, it survived in our heavy clay. (laughs) Yes. just shows you the plant is going to survive it will survive yeah, no matter, no matter what. what the rules are there are always plants which you're going to break those rules yes. yeah the flowers they are really nice on this one the clusters oh, of very bright pretty. orange yellow flowers are produced in spring april to may and sometimes again in autumn if you're lucky you also have large clusters of small blue black fruits after the flowers are finished the foliage, the leaves are oblong, dark green, a bit leathery and holly-like leaves with a few sharp spines on their margins, not too many. It does have the RHS Award of Garden Merit, so you know it's a good performer, and also has the RHS Award 
perfect for pollinators, so it's also good for the bees early in spring. Generally, it's low maintenance, although may be affected by powdery mildews. Requires minimal pruning and is best pruned if you do require pruning in autumn or winter after fruiting. And our second plant of note for April is Euvalaria grandiflora, sometimes known as bellwort. It's also called cornflower, large-flowered bellwort, merry bells, throat root and wood daffodil, which just goes to show you can't rely on a common name because if we think cornflower, we don't think of this plant, do we, Sue? No. Something completely different. So you have to rely on the botanical or Latin name. Uvalaria. But even daffodil, it's not a, like a daffodil. No, even. well, wood daffodil. No, it's not, is it? It's no, yellow. But it's that's yellow, probably... and that's the only thing that it's got in <laughs> common with a daffodil. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. even, yeah, it's just interesting. Bizarre, isn't it? isn't it? So the botanical names, while they might be a little awkward to pronounce or remember, they are the key ones. It is a fully hardy, deciduous, herbaceous perennial, and it has the RHS H5 scale for hardiness, which means it can tolerate from minus 10 down to minus 15 degrees C, hardy in most places throughout the UK, even in severe winters. It has an average to fast growth rate and can achieve maturity in two to five years. It grows up to about a metre tall and half a metre spread, has the RHS Award of Garden Merit, so a good performer, and likes full shade or partial shade. So it likes to be in the margins, in the darker, cooler areas. So it could be a nice one in our little corner, so that we struggle with a bit. You're talking about our little <laughs> corner. <laughs> we talked last month about the beginning that the elephant's ears... And we mm, suddenly realised we've actually got we've one. We've got one and it's flowering. And, and it's, it's in flower. Yeah. So we don't need to go out and purchase no. that, but we could get one of these. We could get one of these, which will complement the colour. Yeah, it does look nice. It likes moist but well-drained, fertile, humus-rich soil. We've got clay, which is it's fertile. fertile. We probably need to yeah. add a bit more humus to it. But the flowers are the key point. Yeah. They're narrow, bell-shaped yellow flowers, very elongated, with twisted tepals on arching stems. You really need to look online to have a look at the photo. We'll have links to the flowers and other things we talked about in this episode. You can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 25. The foliage, they're bright green lancelet-shaped leaves. It is low maintenance, although slugs and snails could be a problem, as they are with our hostas. And propagation, you can propagate from seed or by division in early spring. So that's a little late maybe, but you could do if you wanted. forthcoming garden and flower shows it's that time of year again so the shows are coming around we are looking in eager anticipation to chelsea aren't mm, we definitely that's not long now no, is it? may 18th i think is the day we're going six weeks <laughs> six weeks five weeks maybe even so april where can you go and what can you see in april from the 14th to 15th of april you've got the rhs great london plant fair from the 17th to 19th of april you've got the rhs spring flower show in cardiff if you live in wales that's a good one from the 23rd to 26th of april we have the harrogate spring flower show that's up in the north of england we've visited the autumn, autumn show in harrogate yes. which is really nice i think did we not say we would do the spring you one were, this year we did talk about it we need to get it in the diary then we are for next year then we've been to the malvern spring show yes we? yeah and then 27th to 28th of april you have the rhs london botanical art 
Science Show. So a bit of interest for everyone, of course, if you live in the UK. If you don't live in the UK, sorry, then there might be some shows near you. So that's about all for this episode. We're going to need to be getting into the garden and doing a lot more things ourselves. You can get the show notes and links from this episode at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 25. And you can follow us online if you like at plantadvice on Twitter or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash plantadvice. What do you think you're going to be doing in the next few weeks then, Sue? Got one more hanging basket to do, done, and then that'll be my four. We've gone for four this year. There's <laughs> used to be two, no, then five. three. No, two at the front, four. Two at the front by the garage. Oh, two five. At the back, you're right. And we've got Sorry. that extra fifth one round the side. Five. He's right. There's five. I've done four then already. Four. You've got I've another done four. one. I've got one more to do. And then obviously I wanted to start getting my seedlings going. But I don't know where I'm going to put them because we've got to, we don't have a greenhouse, no, unfortunately. That's so we've we got love to one, have we? them in the house which can be sometimes a bit of a problem because you're negotiating all these plants all over the place. <laughs> but it's only a month, it and, then and then we, we get it into the garden. the rewards afterwards when they look beautiful. And you came back from your travels in South Africa. You gave me two email addresses. I've sent a few emails off. One was from a gentleman who does bonsai trees. I haven't heard back from him yet. And the other one was from Kirsten Bosch Gardens, Gardens. Botanical Gardens in Cape Town, South Africa. I have heard back from them. And the lady's trying to pass my email on to somebody appropriate. So hopefully we can try and get an interview with someone from Kirsten Bosch Gardens in South Africa in one of our episodes. That would be good. It would. Anyway, that's all for this episode. Thanks ever so much for listening. And I hope you'll listen again next month. Get out and really enjoy your garden. This is the time of year to really get the benefit from it. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. This podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.